Hey, thanks for having me. Heath, I want to talk to you about both of your former teams uh, tonight as well as your career. Uh, we'll bounce around a little bit here. But first, I wanted to get your take on the 2021 San Diego Padres and what they've been doing this offseason. Of course, you spent some of your best years in San Diego. Yeah, well, the Padres are doing, um, they're going out and getting a bunch of guys. They got Snell, they got um, Hugh Darvish, you know, signed Tatis Jr. So um, they're, uh, you know, it's like they're definitely kind of doing what the Dodgers have been doing, signing big-name guys and trading for them and, uh, you know, building the whole uh, team not just to win one year but to win multiple years. I know the Padres have, have tried this in the past, and, and like you said, they're chasing the, the Dodgers. And um, Do you think that the, this year, with what they've done, they, they can be a real competitor and a, a contender in the National League West? You know, I think they're definitely going to contend. Um, it's just going to be interesting to see for a full season. Um, but uh, they definitely got the guys, they got the talent to do it. Now, if the guys can just put it together for, you know, six months, then I definitely think, you know, they'll be a force to be reckoned with. It's, uh, in the past, they've only done it like they they got a bunch of guys for one year, it didn't really work, and then they had young guys and never really gave support. And But this year, I mean, you know, they went out and got Machado, and they made some trades, and, like, Machado wanted Tatis Jr. there, and they were like, okay, he's coming out of spring training, where normally they probably would have waited. You know, so half the season, so then he, you know, wouldn't be a super two and all this. But they were like, we need him now. And, you know, Eric Hosmer and Will uh, Myers. So they they have the guys. They have the talent. It's just if we stay injury free and and do really well, I think um, I think the boys will do real well. Of course, Heath, you had your best years in San Diego. And for three seasons, 2009, 10 and 11, uh, you were the best reliever in the National League, averaging 44 saves per season. You were an all-star each of those seasons. Can you talk a little bit about your three, those three seasons and, and that moment in time in your career? You know, I, I got an opportunity. I was, I was with the Mets for three years up and down, and then I, was, I got traded out to San Diego. When I got, came out to San Diego, Mets were under Trevor Hoffman, one of the great closers out there, but also Doug Brokell. He's also been a pitching coach in the, uh, in the major leagues, but he was one of the veteran guys in the bullpen. And they were – and. In San Diego, it kind of literally got to like, hey, we want, we, we believe in you. We think you can pitch. We think you can have a career. And I kind of excelled and did really well. And it was kind of the end of Trevor Hoffman's career. And I kind of took over for him. Um, so it was, um, it was an exciting time. I had a really good time in San Diego, had fun. The guys were great. The coaching staff, Bud Black, Darren Balsley, great pitching coach. Um, Dave Roberts, you know, was one of the coaches. Everybody helped everybody out. And it was, um, it was just a great atmosphere to play with the coaching staff and the organization. So um, those were really good, fun years. What is it like, uh, Heath, when, you, when you're going as well as you were going for, for those three seasons, to be standing on the mound and to, to, know, to know you're really dominating uh, the hitters of the National League? What, what was that? Um, you, you mentioned you came up with the Mets, and we're going to talk about the Mets in a few minutes. But you know, what was it like to be such a dominant closer for those three years? Well, you know, the thing is, is I always felt like I was I was pretty good, but I had to work really hard at it. I could I wasn't just like gifted with a huge amount of talent. You know, I really had to work. If I didn't put the time and effort into it of studying hitters and working, then I wouldn't perform well. And with San Diego, they just gave us so much confidence. Like Bud Black, uh, when I first got traded, he called me on the phone. Hey, congratulations, we traded for you. 
Um, he goes, you know, you pitched in uh, 35 games with the Mets last year. 30 of them, you didn't give up a single run. You could, you could um, do that. Uh, he said, if you double that, you could be in my uh, bullpen all year long. And I said, so I can give up like runs in 10 games. And he goes, well, if you have 60 games where you don't give up runs, yeah. So that, that confidence that Darren Bosley and Bud Black gave to the players where there was an instance once in Arizona, I gave up the, the lead. I was setting up for Trevor Hoffman. Give up a lead. Um, I don't remember exactly who it was, but it was in Arizona. We ended up coming back and winning, and Trevor got the save. But Bud Black came over to me the, that day and put his hand on me and said, you know what? If the same situation happens tomorrow, you're going in. You're still my guy. And what happened the next day? Same guys came up in the lineup. Well, I ended up doing my job and going one, two, three, and Trevor ended up getting the save, and we won again. But just that confidence of a coach and the coaching staff to basically say, you know what, you're going to have a bad day here and there. You're, nobody's perfect, but we believe in you that you can get the job done 95% of the time. Go for it. So um, it was just it was a great coaching staff, great, great times. Um, it was just when you have so much confidence – behind you that you know if you don't have your best stuff the guys behind you are like don't worry we'll help you out today so um it's just a great feeling when that when the team comes together and coaching staff you know you've mentioned the the san diego coaching staff you know bud black and, and the others and of course you came up with the mets in 2004 and you and i have spoken in the past about uh one of the main reasons that things didn't work out there rick peterson but do you have any doubt that <laughs> Do you have any doubt that if you had been handled correctly in New York that you would have developed into an elite closer for the Mets, the same uh, quality that you were in San Diego? You know, I really do. And, you know, um, you know, everybody knows me as the San Diego Padre and this and that, but I still have, you know, the Mets gave me a shot. I wasn't drafted. They gave me a shot to play professional baseball and to get the big league. So they're just in my heart as much as the Padres are. I mean, if they're playing each other, it's almost like I don't, I can't watch it because I don't know who to root for. But my, when I first got um, called up, I had the manager of Art Howe. Art Howe was great. He was kind of like Bud Black in a lot of ways. But then he got let go, and Willie Randolph came in, and then really wasn't as um, player friendly, maybe, or as confident as you know the other guys were. And Rick Peterson was—I don't know. I mean, he's called the pitching guru, this and that, but it just—it just didn't work. I mean, the other pitching coaches in the organization just didn't—they didn't. We weren't all on the same page, and like I remember, I'd get called up, and I got sent down once because my last six games, I didn't strike a guy out, and Rick thought my stuff wasn't as sharp, but I didn't give up any runs. So, but that just doesn't make sense to me. Like I'm getting everybody out, isn't the job to get put zeros on the board and get people out? But he wanted me to strike people out. But then again, he didn't like me throwing high pitches. I mean, Mike Piazza was my catcher, and he chewed me out once for a pitch I threw. And Piazza, and I'll still remember this like it was yesterday, Piazza literally looked at Rick and said, that's exactly where I wanted that pitch, Rick. No, it's exactly where I wanted it. I wanted it there. And he kind of like shut up a little bit, and I was like, dude, Piazza's got my back. That's the coolest thing in the world. He's a Hall of Famer. Like, this is even, I mean, I'm already living a dream. But, like, then all of a sudden he sticks up for me. So it's just, I don't think they were, we were all on the same page. And the thing is, like, Billy Wagner was, one of my idols there, too, my last year there with the Mets in 06. And Billy Wagner thought I could close. Or at least be, he's like, I think he could close in this league, if not set me up. And he told me he went to uh, Willie Randolph's, he went to the manager's office, Willie, 
And he says, hey, we're 14 games up in the division. This is 06. I think he can set us up. And Willie told him, this is what Billy told me, so I don't know if it's 100% true, but I believe Billy Wagner because he was always a truthful guy. Willie told me, he goes, I know him longer than you have, one year, and said, he can't close. He can't set up in this league. Not, he's, not, he's not good enough. And Billy literally came th- that day, told me this, and goes, I'm going to get you effing traded. I'm going to get you out of here. And that offseason, I did get traded. But it's just like I feel like the players believed in me, like Steve Traxel and Leiter and Billy Wagner and Johnny Franco when he was there. They all thought they all saw talent in me that I could do something great, but the coaches never really did. Like I had one coach, Sandy Allemauer Sr., told me that I would never have a career in the big leagues, but I would be that guy in AAA that comes up, plays when guys get hurt and get sent back down, but I'll never have a career, so embrace your role. And it's like, thanks for, I mean, I don't know how a guy's supposed to take that. So it just, the thing is, is when the Mets went to the World Series a couple years ago, I was like flying high, rooting for them and this and that. And I just, you know, it's one of those things that I love the Mets. I wish I would have performed and did what I did in San Diego with New York, just because that was the team for eight years in the minor leagues. I wanted to be a part of that organization. I was part of that organization. I just lived and died with the Mets. And, um, you know, it didn't work out that way, but I still love the New York Mets and uh, I do fantasy camp all the time. It's, it's the funnest time in the world. I mean, I love the fans out there. They're, I will say this and sorry, San Diego, but I think the Mets fans are a little bit better than the Padre fans, but, um, it's, it's, you know, and the new ballpark's great. I, I actually, I don't know if you know this, but the first person to ever get a save in city field is me. And I actually have the ball at home. Because the Mets didn't want it, and if the Mets ever do want it, they can contact me, and I will, I will definitely hand, hand it to them. Because I think it's a great memory. But that year, gosh, what year was it? I think '09 when the stadium opened. Yeah. The first at bat was Jody Garrett, and he hit a solo home run. Chris Young was our pitcher, and we won one nothing. And uh, I don't think so. The first hit, the first run, the first save, and the first win was all Padre. <laughs> So um, that's kind of weird, but anyway. Well, you can definitely hear that you still have a certain, a certainly an affinity for the Mets. Uh, how much do you pay attention to them now? And if so, uh, what do you think about what they've done in the offseason? And do you think they'll be able to compete in the National League East? You know, the National League East is kind of, um, I think the favorite's Philly, but I think the Mets have an outside chance. I, I haven't followed them as much as I have in the past. But um, the Mets are kind of like, you know, I didn't know if they were rebuilding or what they were doing the last couple of years. But um, they got some good young talent there. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see what's going on, see what happens this year. Heath, when you put on baseball to watch at this point, who are the, who are the relief pitchers that you enjoy watching? Oh, now? It's, it's hard because there's not really relief pitchers. You know, I watch Jansen because Jansen's a closer. But it's almost like what bullpen. I it's hard to watch the relievers now because there's a lot of guys that literally, you know, Kimball. Um, I liked watching, but um, there's it's just it's hard because like it's whoever has a hot hand. You know, if a closer blows a save or doesn't pitch well, you know, um, in a tie game or. Um, you know, they give you know, they're down by four runs and they just put them in to get some work. There's not really closers anymore. It's more closer come by committee. That's what everybody's doing now. So 
it's kind of hard. I, I really would like to see that quirky, that weird closer that's a little nuts. Um, like we all are, we all have some, our screws are loose a little bit here and there. So, um, you know, I'd like to see relievers really get dominant roles again. Do you think the specialization has gone too far? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, definitely. That's probably a good way of saying it. It's just, it's just too far. It's, you know, it's like, okay, this lefty and this righty. And, you know, I really don't like the rule that you have to face three guys. Um, but it's just, it's, it's got two. I mean, look at the world series with Snell. He was dealing and they took him out because the third time through the lineup, he doesn't do as well. You know, um, all the computer things, um, cybermetrics and all you want to say, nobody should ever pitch a perfect game. Nobody should ever pitch a no-hitter. Sometimes the stars are aligned. The guys that pitch perfect games are usually not the best guys, the best pitchers. It's, it's just things just work that day. There's no rhyme. There's no reason. There's no two plus two is four mathematical equation. It just, you know, the stars are aligned that day and it just, everything worked or they were just hitting the ball right at people. So, um, I'd like to see the game go a little bit back to, you know, where it was a game, you know, instead of just so technical here and there. Well, Heath, you were always a lot of fun to watch. I'm glad you never listened to those coaches who said you weren't going to have a major league career because you certainly had an outstanding major league career. You were a dominant closer, and I appreciate your time here on BT Talks Baseball. Hey, thanks for having me. Go Mets and go Padres.